This is the Newsroom Podcast. My name is Jason Collington. I'm the editor of the Tulsa World, and today I'm joined by two of our great reporters who have a story uh, that's one of the most popular stories uh, across uh, the country right now when it comes to uh, education. Uh, we have the headline is a long one, but it but it certainly gets to the story pretty quickly. Longtime Grant Rodder says Ryan Walters lied to lawmakers, federal grant money for Oklahoma in jeopardy. I've got Carmen Foreman here and Andrea Eager. Uh, Carmen is uh, based in Oklahoma City at the Capitol. She works with Barbara Hobrock on all things Capitol based. And then Andrew Eager is our projects reporter who uh, works on the biggest stories uh, in Oklahoma. And so this was something that Andrea and Carmen worked on. Uh, Andrea, why don't you start? How did you kind of, how did this story start for us? So uh, actually last week, um, Carmen covered a, a hearing at the Capitol alongside, I'm pretty sure, just about every other journalist working in Oklahoma City. And um, it was the much anticipated um, appearance of our new state superintendent, Ryan Walters, um, before a, a group of lawmakers who had questions for him. And, um, you know, fast forward a week, uh, Carmen had a story day before last about, um, you know, some follow-up documentation that Mr. Walters uh, had provided to those lawmakers at their request. Um, and it, he specified that um, he was only going to pursue federal uh, grant funding that um, matched with what he calls Oklahoma values. And, um, and so a, a source came forward to me um, and said, look, I worked at the State Department on grant writing and I never planned to leave until my planned retirement about three years from now. But um, we were all sitting on our hands. We couldn't do our jobs. And the current competitive grant funding that our state had, has received is in jeopardy because Mr. Walters and his um, top brass that he's hired are sitting on contract work that um, helps these grant projects continue. And some of them, if, if the work is not completed, will have to be repaid to the federal government. And so uh, we worked very swiftly yesterday, Carmen and I, um, on turning around a story. Um, and we did that, you know, not just because it is, is timely to the subject, but because uh, I became aware that um, this person was um, going to speak to um, other journalists. And so um, we worked quickly to gather information from her. I got the response from Mr. Walter's administration, uh, went back and forth with them several times in the late afternoon. Um, and, um, and Carmen reached out to lawmakers who had also been contacted by this grant writer who just left the State Department of Ed uh, between uh, mid to late April. Carmen, you've been up here, up at the Capitol, looking and, and being in a lot of the rooms that Mr. Walters is in, um, and probably filed, uh, between you and Andrea, filed more stories on, our, on the state superintendent than previous ones this quickly in their administration, just a little over 100 days into office. Uh, Carmen, what are, what, what are some of the legislators telling you and what did they tell you in this story when it came to um, what this grant writer had to say? Because it certainly got a couple people's attention. Yeah, so in that legislative hearing last week, um, several different lawmakers, including House Speaker Charles McCall, peppered 
Mr. Walters, uh, Superintendent Walters, with numerous questions about what are the status of federal grants? Is your agency continuing to apply for federal grants? And, and basically their big concern, and it's a bipartisan concern, is that if, if these grants start to fall through or if we're not applying for grants, then that could potentially leave programs in jeopardy, various education programs in jeopardy, and, um, you know, education employees who don't have funding for their jobs anymore. And that means either those programs could be canceled or that the legislature has to scramble to come up with money that the state may not have to cover the costs of those programs. Um, and so there's just been a lot of concern um, and questions about whether the Walters administration had been continuing to pursue grants um, and and lawmakers just want to know because they have to budget for these things every single year and they, they want to know if they're going to lose $100 million in grant funding or if they're going to be on the hook for having to pay for, you know, childhood nutrition programs that the federal government used to cover. And the, the, this kind of started coming out a couple of weeks ago. John Waldron was on another Tulsa World podcast, the Tulsa World Opinion podcast with Jenny Graham, where he mentioned uh, some of the the questions that he had and the, some of the stuff that he was hearing in the halls of the Capitol uh, when it came to these grants and, and other things. Uh, Carmen, when you when you did your reporting and, and talked to some other people, uh, it certainly seemed like the minority leader, Cindy Munson, had some, had some things to say about this. Yeah. Um, she, I mean, she, she expressed, and she's a Democrat, right? So she's not of Superintendent Walters's party. She's naturally going to tend to be more critical of the superintendent, but she expressed concerns that the way he's running um, the State Department of Education is at its core going to be um, problematic for, you know, hundreds of children, hundreds of students across the state. Um, and it's early on in Superintendent Walters's tenure, but she basically said that, you know, if he continues to um, operate the way he is operating, then that could stand, that could lead to, you know, students across the state losing funding for their programs um, and things like that. But she was, yes, she, like you said, she was extremely critical and she said she had a lot of concerns about what this, you know, whistleblower had to say. And she said she took her concerns to basically uh, majority leadership in the house and basically told them, hey, I, I have a bunch of questions about this. What do we do now? And I think what we what they do next is kind of up in the air. Well, and, you know, this is a job, the state superintendent job, Andrea, that some outsiders have had over the last couple of administrations. We had uh, Janet Barisi, who was a dentist, uh, who took over that job. We had uh, Joy Hoffmeister, who was not a certified teacher. Uh, in Oklahoma, uh, who ran some tutoring organizations, who had that job. Um, Ryan Walters, Andrea, is the, the latest person to have a very, very serious job um, in charge of one of the largest state agencies' budgets. Uh, and so this kind of um, maybe questions have appeared in early, in early in administrations of these outsiders that have come in, uh, but how would you compare this administration to the other two outsiders who have taken this job? 
Well, I, I think it's fair to say uh, as an observer that um, we've not seen either of uh, Mr. Walters' predecessors um, seek out the spotlight as much as Mr. Walters has in his first 100 days. True. Um, yeah. So I, I want to be clear, it's not um, that, you know, he's under some particular sort of microscope, but he is seeking the spotlight regularly. And um, and so, you know, I've been very judicious. Uh, I, this is not my first rodeo. Um, I uh, covered the, oh gosh, final few years of Sandy Garrett's administration, her 20 year run as state superintendent. Um, I, I covered all of Janet Barisi's term and both of Hoffmeister's terms. And um, so I have just sort of um, been, you know, waiting for, um, changes to actually occur. And, you know, in this case, something is, is actually happening or not happening um, that insiders say should be happening. And it is having direct impact on students and schools. And that's mostly what I am interested in, in, in seeking out an explanation by Mr. Walters. Some of this, I, I, I don't think was unexpected. Um, you know, Ryan Walters was very clear in his campaign that, um, you know, he had embraced several of these culture war type issues, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion programming. Um, he talked a little bit about social emotional learning, SEL, um, which has been um, zeroed in on by, um, you know, uh, certain political groups and moms groups, uh, parents' rights groups uh, as a you know, a violation of boundaries between schools and, and parents. But, um, you know, what I learned yesterday from speaking to this grant writer um, who just left the State Department of Ed in April, she's written education grants for 36 years, which I'm pretty sure is just about as long as Mr. Walters has been alive. Um, but so she's very experienced in this area. And she said, look, uh, I was seeking out direction um, from my employer when he took office, you know, what are my priorities and what do you not want me to do? And I'll do whatever is assigned to me. And she um, struggled to get any sort of explanation, but she said uh, this uh, campaign uh, worker that Walters brought on to his administration named Matt Langston said, um, you know, very simply to her that the direction was um, no DEI, no SEI, SEL, no trauma-informed uh, training, uh, and nothing having to do with LGBTQ plus communities. And um, and she told him, okay, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what my beliefs are, I will do what I'm assigned. And so she proceeded um, in that fashion. She told me she had worked on four grant applications since January when Mr. Walters took office. Um, the first one she was told um, that Mr. Walters had concerns about associating with the de Department of Health. And um, it, it was a, something called Get Fit. Um, and um, she, that came as a surprise to her. She didn't expect that, but she went along to the next thing. And, um, and in April, there was a computer glitch, she said, caused by um, someone higher up in the agency not knowing or or failing to keep up with a password for the agency to be able to access the online grant application um, system. And so they were locked out for like three weeks. And um, 
and her contention is that the state missed an application deadline during that period. Um, and she said that was the final straw for her, that she had spent two months working on an application that she knew was not going to be able to be filed by the deadline in late April because the state was locked out of this system. And, um, and so she just said she felt like she was not able to do the work that she was being employed to do and, and went about her business. So, um, you know, in this case, we've got a uh, state superintendent in public making statements about work going on in the agency and literally the only employee whose job it is to write grant applications um, came out as a public source to say, he had lied to those lawmakers. And so it, I felt it was our responsibility since her contention was that students are being impacted already, that projects that um, are grant funded for the purpose of serving schools and supporting students directly are being impacted this year. Things are not being completed, contracts are not being signed. And, um, and I think our state superintendent owes the state an explanation when actual changes are occurring in his administration. Well, and to that point, uh, his spokesman did say that he has slowed some things down uh, in trying to do his due diligence. And, you know, he's trying to do trans get, you know, give the public transparency and oversight uh, and that can't be rushed. And so that when we did ask for a comment uh, from Walters office, that is what uh, you guys report in your story. Um, Carmen, for you right now, as you said, what is the next step is not sure what that is. Uh, it is we're recording this on Friday, and I do not know if Walter's making a public statement yet uh, himself or uh, if he's posted anything uh, in his popular uh, videos on social media. Carmen, do you, is there any word at the Capitol today of, of anything going to be announced or, or said today? expect it and that and that's not necessarily um, a reflection on you know the the claims that have been made but more a reflection that we're in the last two weeks of the legislative session and lawmakers are in the thick of trying to put together a budget and finalize an education deal so it's not like lawmakers aren't aware of the claims that have been made against the Walters administration but it's it at the moment it's probably not the most pressing issue for them. Um, I have had a couple lawmakers say that they just have, you know, after receiving what Superintendent Walters sent them this week about what he says his administration is doing on federal grants and says, you know, they're applying for three new federal grants, things like that. Um, several lawmakers told me that they just, they have more questions about that. And I think that the story that Andrea and I did is only going to add to the pile of questions for the Walters administration. And it's probably worth noting, I did see that um, uh, Superintendent Walters' top top aide, Matt Langston, was tweeting last night that they believe that this whistleblower is lying and that she is giving out false information. And so just thought I'd throw that in there. Well, we will uh, certainly uh, look for the uh, the sequel to this story because, again, I, I, like you guys both said, I don't think this is going to be over anytime soon uh carmen foreman in oklahoma city andrea eager uh two reporters who are going to be all over this uh, legislative session uh who again with uh barbara hoberock and randy crable uh cover uh the legislator like no one else uh for all oklahomans so 
uh, Carmen and Andrea, I know you're busy on a Friday. Thank you very much for your time. This is the Newsroom Podcast. Again, we are available free on uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, and Google. Uh, just one of seven um, podcasts that we have here at the Tulsa World. I mentioned Jenny Graham's opinion podcast. Uh, she just had Kevin McDougal on uh, in an interview with him about the Glossop case, um, something that Carmen's done some reporting on of a most recent death row inmate. Uh, that is a, the most popular podcast download right now of all of our podcasts where he kind of explains why he, as a conservative Republican, is, is going to do everything he can to stop the death penalty if Glossop is put to death. Uh, he thinks this is a, a certainly a case that's, that should turn uh, people's minds around on the, uh, the long-time uh, death penalty uh, position that's been in Oklahoma for some time now. So uh, listen to that. Listen to the next episode here, and we will continue to follow up with Carmen and Andrea as this Walter story continues. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next time.